The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe because of the works themselves. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. The first reading today makes a vitally important point about the apostolic witness of the church the nature and the character and the fundamental thrust of that witness. It's something that after 2,000 years of Christian history, we do need to be reminded of because it's so easy to overlook, it's so easy to forget. We who have, for the most part, grown up in the faith often approach matters of faith with a fundamentally different starting point than the early church did. And it is important for us to be reminded of just where the witness of the apostles comes from and in what it consists. And so note how Paul says, I hand it on to you as a matter of first importance what I myself received. Think about that for a second. If one were to explain who is Jesus, where would you start? Why is Jesus important? Where would you start? And the early church began with, he died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, and he was raised up on the third day in accordance with the scripture. The word of the resurrection 
and precisely the resurrection of the one who was crucified is the very fundamental starting point of the apostolic witness of the church. The apostles are those, the apostolic testimony is precisely that of those who encountered Jesus risen from the dead. How different from the way we begin our catechetical instruction, isn't it? How different from how we begin learning, and yet this is the source of the vigor of that bold proclamation. The one who has died has been raised up. We don't turn to Jesus because we like his teaching. We don't turn to Jesus because he's wise. Rather, we recognize his wisdom because it is the wisdom of one whom God has raised. The early church doesn't begin with his miracles. It doesn't begin with his lengthy sermons. It doesn't begin with his parables. It begins with that absolutely fundamental truth. He died for our sins and was raised up. And so he must be the one that God has chosen, that God has sent, and there is no other. How powerful, how direct, how clear. And it's in that light, the light of the victory of his resurrection from the dead, that everything Jesus said prior, that everything that Jesus did prior to that, becomes clear and is understood. This is why we spend the seven weeks of the Easter season beneath the light of the Paschal candle. That light of his victory is what allows us to see clearly who he is and what his teaching means. And so we have then this scene in our gospel from the night of the Last Supper. And... Jesus speaking in the darkness of the uncertainty before his passion, and yet insisting on a certain clarity that he is leaving to his apostles. And small wonder that they don't understand immediately, because they still don't have this light, the light of his victory. They will understand after he is victorious. But right now, there is a struggle. And so the Lord says to them, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And when Jesus speaks that way, he doesn't mean, yeah, you know, the Father, he's about as tall as I am. His eyes are the same color. He dresses just like I do. So if you look at me, you have a pretty good sense. He is speaking about more than a merely superficial resemblance. Rather, this statement, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, has several layers of meaning to it. On the one hand, when you see my patience, when you see the love that I have for the weakest, you see the love that my Father has for the world and the patience that my Father has for sinners. 
When you see the great power that I do, you see, you see the authority and the power of my Father. On the one hand, when we look at how Jesus acts, what he does, what his dispositions are, these are showing to us in a certain way the face of the Father. But we see the face of the Father in Jesus in another way. And it's important that we don't miss it. When we see Jesus going forth to the cross, we also see that the Father loves the world so much, he sends his Son. When the Lord is raised up from the dead, we don't simply see the Father in what Jesus does. We see the Father by how he lifts his Son from the grave. That's the other beautiful thing. When we look at Jesus and we see him in his prayer, when we look at Jesus and we see the way he relies on his Father to care for him, we also see the Father. The weakness of Christ shows us the Father as much as the strength of Christ. As much as he shows forth divine power and wisdom, and in doing so shows us forth the divine face of his Father, so also in his moments of weakness, in his moments of dependence, in his moments of need, when we see how the Father cares for him, we likewise see the Father. Note how beautiful that is and what that says about a certain fundamental element of the witness of authentic Christian living. There are times when through our goodness and through our charity, we in our own way show the face of God to the world. But there are other times when it is in our dependence, in our reliance, and in our trust that we likewise show the face of God to the world. Not because we resemble him, but because we depend upon him. And our dependence gives him the opportunity to show his care and to show his goodness. This too is something that will run through the lives of the apostles whom the Lord will send into the world to witness to his victory and to continue his mission. And so what does he say? Those who believe in me, and he's speaking to the apostolic church, will do the works that I do my mission will be continued in and through you, my church. And then he says, and even greater works will you do. Now there's an interesting examination of conscience for all of us. The one who believes in me will do my works, the same works and even greater. Don't raise your hand, but how's that working out for you? What a challenging statement that is. And what a break check in terms of my taking my spiritual temperature and asking myself just how strong is my belief? Just how strong is my faith and my trust when my works are so weak and so small? And so the Lord, as he gives this teaching, continues with it. 
On the one hand, he speaks of this, this word of power and authority. The one who believes in me will do great things. But why? So that in me and through me, my Father might receive glory. But then he says, I go to heaven to care for you, and that is why you will do such great things. And when I am in heaven, what you ask in my name shall be done for you. And this is the origin of the way we pray at Mass. If you notice, our prayers in the liturgy all function a certain way. For example, the collect, the opening prayer of the Mass, we speak directly to God the Father, we ask for a particular grace, and then what do we say? We ask this through Christ our Lord, through Jesus Christ your Son, etc., etc., etc. But if you pay attention to the prayers we use at the liturgy, they all conclude in that way, where we are asking through, essentially in the name of Christ, what you ask in my name shall be granted. Because the first sense of that is not what I personally ask, but what the church, what the people ask. What we together ask in his name. And that asking is an asking that must be done with faith. Sometimes we Christians fall into the trap of treating the name of Jesus as if it's like a magic word. And so we say our prayers, and then it's customary for many to conclude them with, in Jesus' name we pray. And we want to be careful with that. Because the Lord doesn't mean, tack my name onto your prayer, and it will be heard. That is not at all what he is saying. That would be a misuse of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus doesn't function like abracadabra as some kind of magic incantation where if we just use it, everything's good. Note what he says, what you ask in my name. Not according to my name or with my name or by saying my name, but the asking must be done within his name. Think about who you would allow to act in your name and what that would mean. It would mean that they have a certain authority over what is yours, doesn't it? So think about what that means. And for someone to act in your name and to do it well, they have to respect you, and they have to know you, and they have to act according to your spirit. You know, as our, as our lives get older and we attend to end-of-life decisions, one of the most difficult and important things we need to do is we assign our healthcare proxies and everything else for those who will act in our name. And it's very important that the person who acts in my name understands my wishes, respects who I am and what I have. So note what the Lord is really saying here. What you ask in 
my name. You're attaching my name to something. Ask it in the right spirit. And so it doesn't mean whatever needs you have, just ask and attach my name to it. Make sure you're attaching my name to the right thing, because that asking I will always answer. In fact, the second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, is not first and foremost a statement that says don't use bad language. It's kind of what we reduce it to, don't curse. It's don't attach the name of God to a cause that isn't his. Be careful how you use it. Note how wonderfully important that is. Because the Lord is, is saying something. He's saying, I am trusting you with the ability to ask for grace. I am entrusting you with the goodness of heaven itself. And I am giving you access. And the key to the access is stand in my name. Ask in my spirit. Ask that way, oh, and I will hear you, and I will obtain for you. And what a wonderful thing that is. This is why when we gather for Mass and for our sacraments, the asking is always that kind of asking. As the people, we stand in faith, we ask according to the Spirit of God, and because our asking is in His name in that way, we are confident of being heard. And the very fullness, the very fullness of that asking is what will happen in just a few minutes when from this altar that same Lord Jesus Christ will be here in the presence of the community that has gathered in his name and called out to heaven for grace and goodness and help in his name. And he will be here and he will come to us. And how wonderful it is that this in and of itself shows us the real beauty of having a mass intention. When we pray for our deceased or when we pray for the sick, when we pray for whomever we are offering the mass, note what we're doing. We are calling out in his name on behalf of that one whom we love. And that is a very, very powerful prayer. Mightier than the prayer we can say privately among ourselves because it's the prayer of his whole church. Standing in his name and asking. What a marvelous thing to be able to attach the names of our loved ones to that asking. And how good it is to be reminded of how certain that promise is. What you ask in my name, I will do for you. So as we move forward, not just today, but throughout the rest of the year, let's just have that in mind, these names that we say at the beginning of Mass for whom we are praying. That's what we're doing, not just me as the priest who's offering the Mass, but all of us together. We call out and we ask in His name for their good. What a wonderful thing to do. Amen.